0: Timothy, chapter number two. I started to study this morning. It took uh, three shots, brother Burrow, for that. When I preached this morning, God gave me, I thought, a message, and uh, I was going with it and studied it. But it wasn't uh, deep down on the inside, and it didn't, uh, it didn't, it didn't satisfy me. So I kept praying. But I didn't have nothing else. The Lord didn't give me. And When He don't give me something else, I'll get the best I can find. Amen. And then uh, you have been there, ain't you, brother? Amen. So then I uh, just got to thinking, meditating, and God gave me another little fault, and I started studying on that. And it made me, I thought, a fairly decent-looking little outline. And I got that, and I got up this morning, and that wasn't real either. Somehow it just didn't tickle the insides of me. And if the preacher can't get something, I know you're not going to get nothing. And so, all of a sudden, I just turned over here to read something out of the second, out of the second chapter of First Timothy. And when I got down there and read verse 1, and I read, I, and exhort. Did you notice that exhort in my Bible is capitalized? <laughs> Didn't notice that this morning, did you? Is it how many don't have it capitalized in your Bible it's not amen i'm telling you all the King james Bibles are not the same but i exhort capital that's when you capitalize all the letters of the word you put an emphasis on the whole word i didn't mention that this morning i saved it for tonight but I preached on exhorting this morning, or the word exhort. And I beat around the bush trying to get you to tell me and jump at it and guess what the word exhort means. And finally, at the end, I told you basically, and it is basically, the word exhort means to plain just preach. That's what it means. When a preacher is exhorting, he's preaching. And I read to you this morning in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 2, Paul told Timothy to preach the word. Yeah. I don't have nothing else to preach tonight. I can tell you some things about me, but most of you can add to that. Amen, and that wouldn't please you. And at the same time, I can't help you. But the Bible teaches me to preach the Word, nothing else but the Word. So tonight we're going back to 1 Timothy. I told you this morning that the word exhort is mentioned 16 times in the Bible. I give you the Bible definition on a couple of them this morning. I'm going to give you the Bible definition on a few more. Whatever I have time for, I'll not finish it. And I'm going to give you the definition of it in the, out of the dictionary. But I want to remind you this tonight. I did go home this afternoon. I got this thought when I left this morning about the perversions. You know what the perversions are? Anything but the King James Bible. I said anything but the King James Bible. So I went to look to the perversions up. The first one I looked at, since everybody seems to love it the best, the NIV. Yeah. You know what it says? Let me just give you this on, on uh, what, it, what it I wrote it down to tell you. I didn't write down the verses. I just, I, I don't like it. But I want to tell you what they've put in place of exhorting or exhort. When it says in Acts chapter 2, 40, that chapter 2 and verse 40, that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and he exhorted people or he used the word exhort them to be saved. He gave them the word I exhort you to be saved. He was speaking to the lost. He was exhorting the lost men and women on the day of Pentecost to be saved. He had done some good because 3,000 souls got saved. So preaching done the job. I don't know anything else to do. It would have done that, Amen. It wasn't how many baskets they shot, it wasn't how many ball games they played. It's when they repented and called upon God, they got birthed into the family of God. He exhorted, but here is what the NIV, NIV excuse me says: It says he warned and pleaded with them. That's what the NIV says. The second one I give you this morning was Paul, in chapter 27, verse 22, Paul told them and exhorted them to be of good cheer. The ship was going down, but nobody on the ship was going to perish. And the NIV comes along and says, but now I urge you. I went on down the list, another place it said to urge Another place it said, we instructed. Another place it said, we urge you. Another place it said, we commended and urged in the Lord. The next one said, I urge. The next one said, no word, or, uh, no word to exhort or teach is left out. Our Bible said that we are to exhort, to teach. And I noticed that it didn't have exhort in any of these that I'm preaching. But it does have the word exhort in some other places that my Bible don't even have, especially in the Old Testament. The word exhort is a New Testament word. Why? In the Old Testament they didn't have a church. In the Old Testament, they did not have preaching. They had prophesying. They had seers. I'm giving you some facts tonight that most people don't know in their Baptist church. And it's it's dangerous tonight to listen to anything that's not in the Bible. Or to anybody you don't know. That's why when I hear a preacher come on and he says something he reads his verse I have listened to him as much as five minutes sometimes before they ever read a verse of scripture but when they read the verse of scripture and I find one word off I don't listen to him no more I don't want to hear anything out of the perversions you said preacher you just going so fanatical help yourself but I just don't appreciate it and don't like what you say. Well, that's all right. You're going to get more of it. That's where we are. Amen. I got one Bible, and it's the King James Bible. Amen. It's called uh, the AV. You know what AV stands for? It's called the authori- Authorized Version, and it's authorized by heaven. It's authorized by God. It's been pinned down by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, I'm going to quit wasting time and start preaching. How about that? Just look at these things tonight. I'll give you two of them. I'll mention them too and then we'll go get further. My text is, and in chapter number 2, I'll say this again. Chapter number 2, Paul is preaching to the church. He's exhorting the church. And that's done in verses 1 down through verse number 7. I'm going to be preaching on this off and on because these are the pastoral uh, messages, the pastoral letters that tells us how to operate the church. The book of Exodus is not to operate the church with. The book of Matthew is not to operate the church with. The book of Mark is not to authorize the church it don't happen till you get after the book of Acts and the book of Acts where it gets started and it is for the church God empowers a church and if you want to know how to operate Bible way Baptist church don't get you a book of some preacher don't you get you a psychologist you might need one but don't use it for this Amen But what you need tonight is to take the Bible and get the Bible ways of operating a church. And God has initiated, I'm having trouble with these big words. He has initiated tonight the church to proclaim, to preach, and exhort the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Can you imagine Paul's manual? What did he have? He had the Word of God. He didn't have a complete Word of God till he got through writing it all. Yeah. then he passed it down to you and me and left the scene. They chopped his head off and finally we got a full Bible. Amen. And so we take that full Bible. And if you want to know how to operate the church and how to live a Christian life, you need to take the 14 books of the Apostle Paul and the writings of Peter and the writings of John and the writings of James and the writing of Jude, another or two I can give you there, but I'm telling you that's what you need to operate it on. Now we're going to lead and we're going to let Moses and I show him. He's going to let us see what the law is. God didn't tell us to preach the law in the church. Our job is to preach the grace of God. I'm giving truths tonight that we need. Now if you look at this in verse 7, after verse number 7, he starts talking about the men. And he's talking about men lifting their hands up, holy hands. And he tells us to lift them up without wrath and without doubting. And we're going to deal with that. Matter of fact, from verse number 1 down through verse number 7, he's basically talking to the men, but he's also talking to the church. He calls us brethren. You with me? And so we get to verse 8, then with verse number 9, the remainder of the chapter, he talks to the women. So it's going to be a while, ladies, but remember, uh, we're going to start with the church and with the men And then we're going to wind up with you out of this second chapter. And by that time, we all should know a little bit about what the word exhorting is. All right, let's look tonight, verse number 1, chapter 2, I exhort therefore that first of all, number 1 on his list, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. There's four things if you want to look at it. Five if you want to put the other one in there. That we're to do. And that's what the church is to do. The church is to be right in the middle of supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. And that's be to be made for all men. Now that's how Paul wants us to start off the church that's involved with men and women, but basically God holds the man responsible for every single bit of this. Nowhere in verse number 1 does God require the woman to lead in supplication and prayers and intercession and giving of thanks for all men. He's expecting you men to stand up with a backbone, take a stand, and you're to be the prayer leaders, you're to be the prayer warriors... You're to be the one that uh, gives thanks. You said, why? That's why he said it in verse number 8. Uh, it, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. I'm not reading nothing in these words. I'm reading you the Bible. Amen. It never tells a man no word for his wife or do his praying. He ought to pray with his wife his wife ought to pray with him there should be a there should be a, a bond between them to pray but men if you ever get the place that you think your wife ought to lead you in prayer you ought to get yourself down on the knee on your knees at the altar and ask God to help you I, it's all right to ask her to help you pray but her job is not to take your prayer life She may help you in your prayer life. Some men and some women cannot have comfort with each other praying together. Sometimes a husband has a little barrier that if he's praying, he don't want his wife involved. Now why, I can't tell you that. And sometimes wives don't want that. Somewhere it's because one wants the leadership over the other. And every woman ought to want to pray with her husband. Amen. I remember when my wife was alive, what she'd do every once in a while, she said, Honey, can you come and pray with me? She asked me that. I suppose Brother Burrow had the same thing. Didn't your wife a few times ask you, Come and pray with me? We'd try to pray every day, but... Listen, there are some times that she just had special times and she'd say, She didn't say preacher, she'd say, She'd, she'd call me honey until she's mad and then she called me Dennis. She'd say, Let's pray. I want you to pray with me. I've, I've got a problem. I want you, what's your problem? I don't know what my problem is, but I need some prayer. And I'd say, Okay. And uh, there's been times, I said, honey, I want you to pray with me tonight. Don't pray for me, but pray with me on this particular burden. And the Bible says if any two touch any one thing, on, you know, on this earth, God will do it. Yes, he will. If we agree. And I've seen God answer prayers and touch my children when they didn't even know they was being touched till they done got touched and couldn't handle it. (laughs) Are you with me? I'm actually going ahead of what I'm going to be preaching, but we're going to now pick up. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, I hope you got that wrote down. i give it to you this morning. In Acts chapter 27 and verse number 22, i give you the second one. Now, tonight, I want you to turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians. We're going to 2 Corinthians and we're going to look at the things in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. We're to exhort the lost to be saved. A preacher's got to preach salvation messages to the lost, he's got to preach the gospel. And then sometimes he has to uh, exhort to have good courage. Amen. Or good cheer. Sometimes we have to challenge you to keep... Ha- and I started to say it, and I'll say it that way. To keep on hanging on. Yeah. Which ain't no such thing. But keeps the tonight to keep on trusting Jesus. Sometimes I have to challenge you. You get ready to quit. You're about ready to throw in the towel. It's time for the preacher to give you some good chair. Yeah. Go you said, well, around here we don't get much good chair. Maybe you need something besides that. God knows what you need every time you come here. Yeah. Amen. Somebody said, I wish the preacher wouldn't always preach negative sermons. We'll get positive. Yeah. And get to doing what God says. And there won't be no need for me to preach negative anymore. Amen. Amen. As long as I'm upsetting the apple cart and rubbing the fur the wrong way, it's because you ain't turned the cat around yet. Amen. Right. You turn the old cat around and brother, you'll start purring after a while. I don't, I just don't understand all this kind of preaching. That's alright. I've done it all my life. I ain't fixing to change it. I ain't decided to change it. Don't intend to change it. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, this is all I got. I I promised the Lord some time ago, I'll preach anything you tell me to preach. And you know I believe that. And I believe you believe that. And I said, Lord, I'm going to preach exactly what this book says. But in case, I I want to also put this on you. You can't make bargains with God. But I will say, Lord, if I do, I trust that you'll have mercy on me and you'll take care of my children. You'll take care of my grandchildren. I, I pray that you'll take care of my great-grandchildren and all their spouses. And Lord, I pray you'll direct them even after I'm gone and those that's not living right, our Lord, they're going to get right because you're going to stand by me. Amen. And I ain't got no bargains with God. He don't have to do that, but I'm trusting him to do that. Amen. Amen. Now I'm fixing to preach. 2 Corinthians, please. Chapter 9. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 5. Amen. I appreciate the word of the living God. In chapter 9 and verse number 5, the Bible talks about it tonight, and I believe I got the right verse, maybe I hadn't, but I believe I have. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 5 says, therefore I thought it necessary to what? Exhort. What's he going to do? He's going to preach. The brethren. Who's he going to preach to? The brethren. That's the church. That's the born again believers. Matter of fact, that's all. That's got to be the church. All brethren are the church. If Paul's calling them brethren, they're the believers. Amen. He's not preaching to the, To the Mormons, he's not preaching to the JWs here. He's preaching to the brethren that's in the church. And here's what he's going to exhort them to do. That they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Now preacher, I don't know what in the world he's told him to do. He's told him to do something that most Baptists don't like you to preach on. The answer is found, look at verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. In other words, if you're at the church and you're involved in the church and you give sparingly, you ain't going to get much. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Amen. I know people 25, 30 years ago would go to church and put a dollar in the, in the offering pan. Yeah. And 25, 30 years later they're still putting a dollar in the offering pan. Yeah. And you know what I say when I find that out? I say, well, it's not hurting me. They're not even hurting the church. What they're doing is starving themselves to death down the road. In other words, you give. And here's what see, people don't like this. But Paul says, I'm, I exhort. I'm going to exhort the brethren. What I'm going to exhort the brethren for make sure you take care of the house of God. You hear me? Or he is preaching on money. Well, it's been a long time since I preached on money. And if you don't want me to preach on money again, just keep giving. Yeah. Maybe you ought to get like that and study the book of Exodus. I said we don't operate the church by it. But Moses sent out a little decree to the Israelites. He said, go out and get all you can. Bring in all the gold, the silver... And the precious stones and everything you got out there. And bring in everything people's got. We're going to build a tabernacle. And people got to loving God so much that they brought in everything that they needed. And Moses got out there and said, hey, hold up a minute. We've We've got too much come in. Hold off. Don't give to more for a little bit. Amen. If you want to get me to preach that message, I'll be glad to. When the coffers get full and the house ain't falling down. Amen. Amen. Somebody said that's some of the craziest preaching I ever heard in my life. That's all right. God's in the middle of all this. God don't want the First Baptist Church to take care of this church. God don't want the unbelievers uh, and uh, the folks down at the hell holes of the world and the the, slums, not to slums, but the uh, honky tonks and all them to take care of the church. Yeah. Whose responsibility is to keep the lights on here at this church? You, the brethren, I exhort you, and Paul's exhorting them. Amen. So what he says, and to show you, well, that ain't what that means. Well, let's read verse 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Now, You've got to remember, you've got to purpose well. Yeah. There was two in the Bible on the first day, I mean, in the church, and they said they are going to give a certain amount. And Ananias and Sapphira got together and said they are going to give a certain amount. And when they come, they didn't give that. They held back on God, and God said, take her out, or take him out and bury him. And then here she came, all dolled up, And she came in and they took her out and buried her with her husband. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him what? Give. Do you know what giving is? Now do you begin to think now that this might be monetary? Sure it is. Not grudgingly? Oh, you know what? I could have bought me... A bunch of stuff this week. If I hadn't put some money in the plate. If you've ever regretted giving money to the Lord. You ought to just keep it. Amen. And put you a sign up over your head that I'm a God robber. Amen. Or of necessity. In other words. Amen. You don't give it. Uh, Grudgingly, nor do you give it because you just have to give. I tell you, I wouldn't give this to the Lord if I just didn't have to. You're not obligated to give. God says keep it, but if you want a blessing, give it. Amen. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Amen. Sometimes when people, they take an offer and you hear them grunt and grunt and groan and the plate goes by. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. See? That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Many years ago, I got a little paper clipping from some church or some paper out of Florida. And the pastor got up and said, If you want to be blessed fourfold, give your tithes to the Lord. he said, if you'll give what you're supposed to give, did you know God will add to you fourfold? He'll bless it. And the man put in $100 and come back three weeks later and said, preacher, my $400 ain't come in yet. And he sued the church. Amen. I had a man one time in the... Church got mad at my preaching and he stood. You're not the only one sometimes that has got upset at me. Amen. They got upset at Paul. They like wanted to stone him to death and kill him. They got upset, upset at Jesus. They got upset at uh, John the Baptist. I pointed that out this morning. They cut his head off. So what's happened? Amen. They got mad at him. And they'll do that to you today if you'll stand for the truth. I'm saying today, you give. And don't you get mad and upset when the preacher preaches on it. You ought to say amen. And if you've been giving like God wants you to give, you won't do nothing but say amen. And say, keep on preacher, preach it on. Tell the truth. He said, I don't how much to give. God didn't tell you how much you had to give. He just tells you. Somebody said, I believe we ought to give a 10%. Well, they worked that off of Abraham. But I go what the Bible said according. Sometimes, uh, if you give 10%, you're just giving what you ought to give. But you ain't giving offering to you to throw it in a little bit extra. Amen. Some of y'all go to a restaurant and uh eat fancy and then throw a $20 bill, a $10 bill, or a $5 bill. And I can always tell the cheap skates at the church they put $2 on the table. You didn't know as that's observative, did you? Amen. They'll go down to the grocery store and they'll buy something that's I mean a delicatessen thing, I buy something that they really love and they pay $20 for it and they wouldn't give anything extra to the message you get from the Word. Well, if you preach a little bit better I, and not be as strong, I might put in more offering. But if you don't get involved in that preaching, you just might get down the road and you need God. I believe today we ought to have compassion In our giving. God said you don't hold back. If you hold back on God, there will be a time that God will put you in a place where you need something from God and you want God to give you plenty. Amen. I like to go around the restaurants. Sometimes I go to some of them and I just don't go around doing it to brag about it. I usually say to somebody, uh, that couple right over yonder, on the other side of the wall, yes, you know them. Uh, they come in here all the time. I said, uh, "Now I don't do it in the ones that you go in and pay in line because no." But they are, I go in, and they've already went through the line. They have done paid You know, I say, "I want to buy their lunch." I love to do that. Amen. You said, "But if I do that, I won't give have anything to put in the offering plate." You don't know how to figure God. His math's a little bit better than yours. Yeah. He knows his multiplication table better than you do. Yeah. Matter of fact, he originated it. Yeah. He knows one and one's two. He knows two and two's four. He knows four and four's eight. Amen. Yeah. Hey somebody said about this new math. I don't care about the new math. You guess what? If you give like that the next day, I've done that many times and I hadn't done it for any reason except I loved them and wanted to help them. Amen. It might go a week or two and all of a sudden, it happened to me just the other day, somebody come over and said, uh, the waitress, when I went down to pay for the meal, they'd done people was already in there. And when I went to pay for the meal... Uh, she said uh, yours is already took care of. Matter of fact, took care of me, my sons, both of them. Said, your lunch has been paid for. You understand what I'm saying? God can help you. Yep. You can't outgive God. And yeah. we're on the third exhort. Now he's preaching. Now you know what the word "exhort" means from the from the dictionary. Exhort. No, the word "exhort" means strongly encourage. It means to urge. That's where NIV gets it. They like, they like to change the original. To call on, to charge an individual or a, a church. Try to persuade. That's what I'm doing when I'm up here tonight. I'm trying to persuade you that I'm telling you the truth. It's hard to persuade a lot of Christians. They've got their mind made up. Amen. Matter of fact, it's just dollars and nickels and pennies. What are you going to do with it if you keep it? Amen. Amen. I'm spending my kids' inheritance. It means to pressure. It means to press. It to means to push you. Sometimes a preacher's preaching and I'm, you say, he's pushing me. That's right. I'm trying to show you God's already behind what I'm preaching. It means to entreat you. It means to convince you. It means to counsel you. It means to warn you. And the list goes on and on and on. So it's important to know what exhorting is. Most people don't know whether the preacher is exhorting or whether he's just telling jokes. But if he's really exhorting, you'll figure that out. A lot of people, they think they're preaching and they're not preaching. They're bouncing off the wall. But Paul's preaching to the brethren to give. Do you see that? Let's give you the fourth one. I'm going to finish all these, but not tonight. I'll make you feel better. My time's just about got me, but I decided I'm going to deal with this because this is things that needs to be preached to the church. The church don't know its responsibilities. They think God saved them and now He sat them down on the pew and they can do anything they want to do. They can go anywhere they want to go. They can live any way they want to live. They can dress any way they want to dress. They can talk like they want to talk. They don't have to have any remorse and don't have to have any restraints. And that's why our churches are falling apart. That's why Washington is doing what Washington's doing. Let's turn to 1 Timothy, 1 Thessalonians, please. 1 Thessalonians, I want to go to chapter 4 and verse 1. In 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4 and verse 1, the word exhorts means in 16 times. I've covered six, uh, three of those exhorts. So take three off of 16. We like more. How many more? 13. I'm going to give you 13 more exhorts. If you think that you're not obligated, if you think tonight that you'd sit on these pews right here and God's going to bless you whether you do anything or not, you got another thing coming. God has something going for you. I've said in every church you find this crowd. you always got the lazy crowd. Lazy crowd. You know what the lazy crowd is? Won't do a thing. Won't strike a a lick at a snake. Won't do a thing. Won't clean nothing up. Won't help nothing out. And if you don't do it right, they'll criticize you for not doing it. They don't want to do nothing themselves, but they don't want you to do it either. You got the laziest. The second thing, you got the loud. Always scared of those loud. Huh? If you're praising God all the time, that's fine with me. That's exactly what you ought to be doing. Amen's and praise God's and hallelujahs and glories and yeah. all that is common practice for every child of God. You get to heaven, you're not going to say, Oh my, oh God, help me, oh, oh. You better get ready. You're going to a place that ain't going to be nothing like here. Amen. amen. You're not going to get your feelings hurt in glory. God's going to give you feelings that's going to be, amen. I mean, says, I got my feelings hurt. I get my feelings hurt. What am I supposed to do? Quit? That's what they do. I didn't get my way. What you going to do about it? Same thing i do. Just put up, put up with it and keep on going. Amen. Somebody said, I'll just go somewhere else. Well, they won't get it there either. Right. How many of you has got everything you wanted all, every time you asked for it and you got your way in ever? Well, I'm kind of a bit scared to ask this because if somebody wants to raise their hand, you're going to scare me. How I many always got everything you wanted? My wife said, I did. And I said, what you mean? She said, every time you want something, you just tell the Lord you want it and you get it. Well, I said, the Bible tells us, delight yourself in the Lord. He give you desires your heart. But that's not what I'm talking about. There's lots of things I've never had I wanted. And I'll never get them. I'm satisfied with that now. I don't need them. You know what I need tonight? Just enough to get me out of this world and get me into another one. They're loud. When I say loud, what's that mean? It means always them uh, in the crowd, they're always talking about, Hey, praise God, I went and seen no so-and-so yesterday. Hey, praise God, I studied my Bible all night. Hey, I want to tell you, we need to do this. But they never do nothing. Just loud. mouth runners they have diarrhea of the mouth amen I ain't trying to be plain but that's pretty plain I guess but then you got the third crowd I call them the liars I'll be there tomorrow preacher you won't see them I'll come to church Sunday, preacher you won't see them I'll 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 pray for you. I hate for liars to tell me they're going to pray for me. Yeah. Amen. You ask me to pray for you, I'm going to try to pray. If I'm having to pray on the way home, silently driving down the road, or if I'm by myself, loud. Yeah. And then the fourth crowd you got, and I thank God for this crowd, you got the laborers. Those who you can always count on. They'll always be there. They'll change the light bulb. They'll mop the floor. They'll pick up trash. They won't be critical of anything. Amen. They won't be critical of you if you do something or forget to do it. They come to church sometimes and say, Preacher, that's so work I say to myself, Why in the world you tell me? I'm not the janitor. I can be. I've cleaned a lot of toilets and churches. Used to do more of it than I do now. I kind of delegated it now. One thing is I have a little rougher time with it. Hard for me to bend over and pick up paper. It's hard for me to undo a toilet that's stopped up. Matter of fact, when it happens at my house now, you know what I do? I call a plumber. I used to fix it. But you always got some and say, Preacher, I'll take care of that. I'll do this. I'll do that. So, so well, if I said, What's to do it? I was afraid you'd uh, get upset the way you do sometimes. Don't tell me that. If you want to take the trash out, help yourself. You don't have to ask me. But don't brag about it when you get it done because you're going to get your glory right then. Just wait till you get the glory. God will help you with it. So I'm looking at this. I'm looking tonight. That he's talking that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to read. Ooh, I'm already past time. But I'm going to get another minute or two out of you tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren. Who's he talking to? Brethren. The saints of God. Who's he talking to? The church. And exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Now Paul said, I'm going to exhort the brethren. Basically he's talking to the men of the church, because your wife's supposed to follow you anyhow, fellas. Huh? Now, people don't like this one sided business of preaching. God didn't give you a wife to take care of the spiritual life. God didn't give you a wife to make the rules and regulations of your home. God didn't give you a wife to teach you the Word of God. God gave you a wife to be a helpmeet. You know what a helpmeet is? Yeah, help have babies. Where in the world you get that out of helpmate? That's a, help, that's a helpmate. A helpmate is a woman who is in charge of her life with the Lord and God wants her to honor Him and her responsibility is just like the man's to obey God. Except the fact is just a little different. She's to obey the husband. She's to obey the husband. And if she's obeying the husband, she's obeying God. You said, what if she do not want to obey the husband? Then she ought to come to the altar and get right with God. I'm going to tell you something. I thought of this this week. This might warp some of y'all's frames. Mess up your mind a little bit. I see these churches won't have service on Wednesday night. Some of them won't have service on Sunday night. Some of them have Sunday night service every other Sunday night. And some of them don't even have Wednesday night service. Now you know what I'd do if I was going to a church that didn't have service on them times? I'd leave and find me a church that had church. But they like it. Some of y'all in here would just enjoy good if I cut off a Sunday night service every once in a while or a Wednesday night service. Now, I know you're not going to say amen. But I sure rung some bells and I saw some flashing lights must be down in your heart. Hey, I won't apologize for what I said. So he's saying here that I'm going to exhort you to walk and to please God. Did you know that's what the preacher is preaching for? To exhort you to walk and please God. Now you better find out what it is to please God and how to walk for God. Amen. You're going to give account in glory if you're saved. I'm going to stop on that because I see about four or five more points here. And I think I have done went over the limit of what you can take. I told you, when God gave me this message this morning, about 15 minutes to 8, I didn't have to do no study and God just gave it all to me. Matter of fact, I got the 16 things... Right here, mentioned down in the scriptures. That's all I got on this. And God, give me the word of God to preach. And I'm exhorting you, and I'm putting that on hold. We're coming back to. We finished three, and we're working on the fourth one. God bless you. Heads bowed tonight. Thank you for coming.